0: The Athletic. Good morning, welcome to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. It's Tuesday the 12th of September, I'm Tim Spears and today we're asking... Why has Paul Pogba been provisionally suspended from football? Paul Pogba had submitted an adverse
1: analytical finding in a anti-doping test.
0: Will Julian Nagelsmann be Germany's next manager? The thing is slightly more complicated and complex than perhaps people anticipate. And can Scotland finally topple old rivals England tonight?
2: This is a a team that's based on the collective, and I think Steve Clarke's got them so well drilled that it won't be easy for, for England to break them down.
0: This is the Daily Football Briefing with Tim Spears. Juventus midfielder Paul Pogba has been provisionally suspended from football after failing an anti-doping test. The Italian anti-doping authority Nardo says Pogba failed a drugs test after Juventus' 3-0 win over Udinese last month, for which the Frenchman was an unused substitute. Nardo says testosterone not produced by the body was detected in Pogba's sample. If found guilty, 30-year-old Pogba could be suspended for two or four years if found to have violated anti-doping regulations. Italian football expert James Horncastle is here to tell us more. James, what do we know about this so far?
1: So, on Monday afternoon, answer the Italian Newswire, published a report claiming Paul Pogba, a player who had once fetched a €105 million Euro transfer, a World Cup winner with France, now back at Juventus, had submitted an adverse analytical finding in an anti-doping test after Juventus's first game of the season in Udine against Udinese, a game in which Pogba did not play a single minute. He was an unused substitute. Now, later on Monday, the anti-doping organisation in Italy, NADO, confirmed the news and Pogba was provisionally suspended.
0: I mean, there have been other similar cases in Italy that have not quite been as they've seemed. What does that mean for how we view this at this stage?
1: Now, if we go back a year, another Serie A player, Jose Palomino, an Argentinian who plays for Atalanta, he was the subject of a random test during pre-season and tested positive for Clostabal metabolites. And he was provisionally suspended. He missed the start of the season he didn't come back until mid-November just before the World Cup in Qatar and what his legal team were able to show was that the cluster ball metabolites were the result of an accidental contamination. He was absolved and able to start playing again. Another anti-doping case that I think is is interesting here is that of Francesco Acerbi. Now this is going back quite a while to when he was a Sassuolo player. The test that he provided showed that there was a lot of testosterone in the sample. He was provisionally suspended and his legal team were able to show quite clearly, obviously, that the testosterone produced was because he was suffering from testicular cancer and a chemotherapy became... You know, one of the great stories of Italian football over this past decade, because not only was he able to overcome testicular cancer, not once but twice, but he was playing for Inter in the Champions League final in Istanbul in June, marking a certain Erling Haaland.
0: So what happens next here, James, and what does this mean for Juventus?
1: Another one of the procedural steps that Juventus can take is found in the collective bargaining agreement and this was a deal struck by the italian football federation the Serie A, and the associazione italiana calciatori which is the players association and within that cba what you find in article 5.5 is that a positive doping test is one of the cases in which it is possible to suspend a player's salary so Juventus, should they wish, can suspend both the fixed and variable part of the player's salary. So it remains to be seen if Juventus take that action. And it remains to be seen, you know, what Pogba's B sample comes back as. And at this moment in time, we will await the verdict Of Tribunale Nazionale Antidoping, which is the anti-doping tribunal.
0: Pogba's old teammate Cristiano Ronaldo missed Portugal's Euro's qualifier against Luxembourg last night, but they didn't miss him as they were nine brackets N I N E nine nil. That's not the given it once was, Luxembourg are third in the group and had won their previous three matches, but they were given a hiding in the Algarve, with Gonzalo Ramos, Diogo Jota and Gonzalo Inacio all scoring twice, plus Ricardo Horta, Bruno Fernandes and João Felix got in on the fun as well. Elsewhere Wales only scored twice but that earned them a vital 2-0 win in Latvia. Robert Page's side had only won one of their previous 13 matches but thanks to goals from Cardiff's Aaron Ramsey and Bournemouth's David Brooks they are now just 3 points off a of Euro's qualification spot with 3 games to go. You're listening to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. Pogba's France faced Germany in a friendly in Dortmund tonight. He won't be there as he wasn't picked. And Hansi Flick won't be there either after he became the first Germany boss ever to be sacked following their shock 4-1 defeat to Japan on Saturday. The fallout from Flick's departure has continued and Germany must now make what is a crucial appointment with the European Championship they are hosting just nine months away. Names mentioned as possible successors include Matthias Sammer and Rudi Voller, who was the national team boss from 2000-2004 to 2004 and takes temporary charge again tonight. But the early favourite is, unsurprisingly, former Bayern Munich boss Julian Nagelsmann. To find out the latest, who better to ask than the authority on German football, it's Rafa Hernigstein. Rafa, what's the reaction been within the Germany squad to flick sacking?
3: A mixture of um, disappointments, self-recriminations. I'm sure relief at some level as well because it couldn't really get any worse. And I don't think the players had still... A lot of confidence in Hansi Flick. I didn't really sense any ill feeling, uh, more sense of regret that they weren't able to get better results with him. But ultimately, you could see it in some of the interviews after the game. They weren't exactly sure that he would come up with better solutions. And I think they understood that it was inevitable after the Japan game because Germany was so poor that there was no coming back from that game
0: has it hasn't been reported in, in Germany, Rafa? What's the sort of general feeling about Flick's departure?
3: Well, there are many different layers to the story. Um, first of all, of all, of course, there's a story about Hansi Flick failing in his job, being the first Germany manager to get fired in the history of uh, the position. And with the uh, Euros on home soil coming up, I think the patience had really worn very, very thin at this point. Of course, there's a wider... Navel gazing, introspection in the things that are wrong with his team, wrong with German football on a whole. Lots of different theories being being advanced. None of them, I think, entirely convincing. Uh, I think still the buck stops with the national manager, especially considering that these are players that play for some of the best clubs in the world, and there's no reason why collectively they should be so poor.
0: But what's next then, Rafa? Any further news on the new boss yet?
3: Uh, not really. There was a meeting, but uh, it didn't bring any immediate result i think uh, the thing is slightly more complicated and complex than perhaps people, people anticipate my best guess uh, having spoken to a few people is that Jan- julian nagelsmann is the preferred candidate of german fa of course he is still on the contract at bayern and there's no reason to suggest that he uh, would be immediately happy to take this job of course he's had uh, Bigger offers very recently. Chelsea were interested. Tottenham were interested. He's still very young for the national team manager role. And some of the players he's worked with at Bayern would be happy to see him back and others less so. But considering that uh, Jurgen Klopp would be the absolute dream ticket for the German FA is not available. Nagelsmann seems the next best thing. And I think there will be... Even if it takes a few days or maybe a couple of weeks, I think in the end they will find the solution of getting him in. That's my hunch.
0: The oldest football rivalry in international football gets its latest instalment tonight when resurgent Scotland take on old enemy England at what is sure to be a rowdy Hampden Park. The game has been organised to commemorate the 150th anniversary of the world's first ever international football match when Scotland and England played out a goalless draw back in 1872. It's a friendly and all but name, and for the Scots, given their remarkable recent results, which see them flying with a 100% record at the top of their Euros qualification group, it surely represents a great opportunity to beat England for the first time this century. It promises to be a fantastic occasion, and here to preview it is Jordan Campbell, who will be at Hampden Park tonight, alongside myself. Jordan, I mean, it's only a friendly, but this will feel like anything but, I'd imagine... Given the incredible run the Scots are on, the hype must be huge north of the border.
2: Oh, no, it, it definitely is. I mean, there's not been that many Scotland-England games in the last 20-odd years, but I think compared to a couple of years ago when when Scotland fans went down to Wembley and were a little bit fearing the worst, I think the mood is completely different now. There's obviously a recognition that England have got a, a good few superstars to their name and they watch them every week in the Premier League, but I think Scotland delivering qualifying games in a... In a row they've won, you know, within touching distance of getting to the Euros. They could even qualify during the game, depending on whether or not we get a draw against Georgia. So, I mean, this is probably the most positive I've ever felt the national team in my, my lifetime.
0: I mean, the numbers behind the run are astonishing in terms of wins. But I mean, you wouldn't exactly call this a golden generation of, like, ridiculously talented players. It certainly looks like that from the outset, other, other than the sort of McTominay and McGinn and Tierney that people will know of. Who who are the sort of threats and the keys behind Scotland's success that that, that should get praise as well?
2: Well, I mean, I think you know we'd be doing a disservice to the, the level these players are playing at if you don't recognise that there's 11 players in this squad who play in the top five leagues of Europe. In terms of threats, I think you've got to look at, at Jay Adams obviously as the as the focal point. Um, he's made a big difference. He's not a prolific scorer, but I think it's actually helpful to Scotland in a sense that he's not the guy that probably England are feeling he's going to score but he makes so much room for McTominay and McGinn to you know, get up and support him um, and they've got the freedom to basically just run and get up and it's like a, a three-man attack almost. McTominay's got six goals in five games. Clark's found this brilliant role for him that no man United manager has been able to carve out and it's basically we don't want you sitting in front of the defence trying to be a playmaker because that's not what he's good at. We've got Billy Gilmore and Callum McGregor who can do that. His game is about being athletic, running off the ball, striking it as he runs in, like a bit like Lampard, you know, rekindling that sort of um, that sort of raw attack midfield. So I think McGinn and McTominay is where you look for for the goals, but then you've obviously got Tierney and, and Robertson down the left who almost just dovetail and swap, overlap, underlap. They've eventually found the perfect system for the two of them, so I hope I'm not scaring me mean, just how many threats Scotland have got. <laughs>
0: I guess taking into account what, you, what you've seen of England as well and what you've read about them a, where do you think this is going to be won and lost? And B, you know, can can Scotland genuinely do it? There must be belief that they can, but do you think they can?
2: I think they can. There's a bit of realism that if England are on top form and Harry Kane and Saka and Bellingham turn it on, it's probably difficult for Scotland to get a result. But I think this is a, a team that's based on the collective. And I think Steve clark has got them so well drilled now that it won't be easy for, for England to break them down. And I think the weakest part of England's team is, is the backline. So... I think Scotland will keep the ball a lot better than they did a couple of years ago and I think that they can get it at England yeah, I think you've got to respect England but I don't think there's a fear factor quite like there would have been at previous meetings with us, with, with both nations
0: If you want to read more about that first ever international match complete with players wearing hats and trousers and smoking pipes before kick-off head to theathletic.com for an article written by yours truly but don't let that put you off you can watch Scotland v England on Channel 4. Kickoff is 7.45pm. There are a host of European matches also won later, including the aforementioned Germany against France friendly, plus a huge game for Italy, who are in danger of missing out on yet another big tournament and could really do with beating Ukraine in Milan. Those games are on Viaplay in the UK or Fubo in the States. That's all for today's briefing. Thank you for listening. I've been Tim Spears. Your producers were Abby Patterson and Mike Zimmerman, and your executive producer was Ian McIntosh. If you're with us for the first time, tap the follow button on your podcast app and tell your friends about us too. Michael Bailey will be back with you tomorrow morning. Until then, have a great day. The Athletic.